0: Coming up, we got Ethan Smith of Locked On Pirates because we got to give him some crap after that D-back series win. So that's what we're breaking down next.
1: You are Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm Miller Thomas, host of this wonderful podcast. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.MyPortfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account or just look up Locked on Dimebacks both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Backs your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing some- subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms, so please continue to tell your friends. Without further ado, we have to break down another D-back series win. They they have been playing great since the All-Star break. I think they're like, I want to say like 11 and 8 since the All-Star break, playing really good baseball right now. Offense is looking good. Pitching is looking good. So to break down the D-backs versus Pirates series, we got to bring on Ethan Smith of Locked On Pirates. So without further ado, here's the man of the hour, Ethan, how are you doing today, sir?
1: Good, man. You know, I had to throw the forks up for the uh, ASU guys
0: over here. Uh, You You know we had to.
1: Uh, Yeah, man. Uh, Another D-back series win at the expense of my Pittsburgh Pirates, who are once again teetering on the brink of last place. Uh, It's pretty fun. Pretty fun stuff.
0: Yeah. And even though the D-backs were probably like, if you look at the overall standings, maybe like eight games above the Pirates in the overall standings going into this series, I'm not looking at the Pirates like, oh, the D-backs are going to go in there and just murder the Pirates in this series because the D-backs lose to bad teams all year. I think the Pirates earlier in the season might have the D-backs number. So it's been nice to see post all-star break. D-backs taking care of business when they should, you know, beating the bad teams and maybe just playing competitive baseball against the good teams. But in today's game, I thought you guys had it. I thought the Pirates had it today. Ethan, they were up, you know, three nothing. Most of the game, Merrill Kelly did not look like his best stuff. He's been very dominant recently, but the Pirates team today, they were really getting after Merrill Kelly. making can make some tough pitches. And I thought the Pirates were going to have it until that seventh inning when the game just flipped the script and the D-backs came storming back in today's victory.
1: Uh, yeah, man. Uh, it's a lot of just bullpen mismanagement. I'd say at this point, you mentioned Merrill Kelly being a pretty tough out. I will be honest. The guy's a pretty tough out. He's not terrible at all. Pirates in the fourth inning, finally get after him with the three runs they scored. This offense lately has just been so bad. And to see them come out to a three, nothing lead in the fourth. I was like, okay, cool. Now let's see what happens after this I give up two runs in the fourth and then you mentioned the seventh lucky number seventh inning for uh the Diamondbacks where they scored seven runs and the whole game just pretty much fell apart which I kind of felt bad uh that Chase Young was credited with the loss here I know he gave up three earned runs but Yuri De Los Santos comes in doesn't even get credited with an <laughs> inning of work four runs three walks two hits uh, 10 strikes to on his 20 pitches. It was just not a good look. And it just goes back to bullpen mismanagement. Chase DeYoung did not need to pitch another inning in this game. He pitched the fine one inning of work that he had. Move on to the next guy. Just let Yuri go in there, do his thing, or let Will Crow or whoever do his thing. And I don't think Pirates fans have noticed this, Millard, but David is not playing right now. The guy's hurt. And I think the bullpen is feeling the effects of that. I really do. The guy was an all-star for a reason, and not having him to back up on is tough. And the reason he's not playing right now is because he was pitching multiple innings as a closer, which is not something you're supposed to do with your closer. Uh, But at the end of the day, Arizona outplayed Pittsburgh in this series. I'll just own up to it. Uh, Every game except Wednesday's matchup, they outplayed them. They just flat out did. Of course, the Pirates made it close on Tuesday, but I'd even consider that a blowout despite Michael Chavis' two home runs.
0: It's just how i felt about it it, it was rough <laughs> yeah that's just how you felt about it yeah last night i thought the d-backs might get uh because are recording this on thursday it's gonna drop friday so last night is technically wednesday night and i thought the d-backs they they look like they had a chance in that ninth inning bases loaded nobody out and then carson kelly comes up to the plate and it's like do you even understand if you saw the play what happened there because carson kelly hits the ground ball they go to second first that's a force out there and then the runner who's going to third he tries to go back to second there's a lot of hoopla about what's happening like i I don't know you know the baseball rule like if i go to if it's a force at every base and like in that situation the guy he went to second first does that mean the runner going to third he's allowed to go back to second base and he has to be tagged is it no longer a force out at third if i go to second first i was really confused by that play last night
1: uh the one where uh marcano scored on the rundown
0: yeah, uh, no, 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 not the one today. The one uh, in Wednesday night's game where it was Carson Kelly ninth inning bases loaded. And then it was like five minutes of stoppage of play because they went to go review it because we didn't where oh. well, both the runners were on second base at the same time for the D backs. But I was so confused as to what was happening there because I thought it was a force out at every base. So they threw it to second, which was the force out. But because they went to second first, I guess the, the runner who's going to third was allowed to go back to second, but he had to be tagged um, for to be considered an out so, it was just yeah, a so play overall
1: what i think happened was they credited the guy that was on first as the out at second as the force out mm-hmm. so that then made it not a force out anymore after that point so i guess the runner going to third was just like free like has to be tagged regardless at this point because he's advancing i have no idea the only question i have is how did the pirates manage to pull off the same rundown play on you guys two <laughs> days in a row two days no. in a row with basically the same people.
0: I know. That was so nasty to see because (laughs) you get the rundown and you're just like, you know this guy from third is going to try to score here. And the guy does and he does score and then it's like you can't even if you're going to let the guy score from third because you're so committed to the rundown then stay committed to the rundown don't be distracted by the guy at third at least either keep the dude at first base and make sure the guy at third stays at third base or just allow the guy at third to score and get that sure out at first base because the D-backs did nothing mm-hmm. once they saw the guys breaking for home they were distracted by him he ends up scoring because the D-back just had to eat it then the guy who was uh caught in the rundown he just ends up going back to first and it's like how do you, uh, how do you do this D- how do you end up in this situation once again? Because their outfield defense is elite. Alec Thomas was making great plays as he always does. Yeah. In the outfield, but the infield defense could be kind of shaky at times.
1: Yeah, it was kind of crazy to see Greg Allen versus Alec Thomas this whole series. Greg Allen had a lot of hard hit balls, to center field that Alec Thomas was just flanking him out of the air. Like, and I was like, all right, Greg Allen's going to get the best of him on one of these. And he finally did, I believe, on Wednesday night. And I was just like, man, Alec Thomas, he patrols that center field really well. Actually, kind of reminded me of Brian Reynolds defensively out oh, there, how he tracks pretty well. Uh, of course, I believe Alec Thomas is a lefty, though. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, so it's a little different seeing him obviously catch with the right hand rather than the left hand. But I liked what I saw from uh, Arizona in this series. I know you guys are not like a formidable like force yet, but I feel like with the right pieces, this team can eventually – Go back to, I believe, whatever year. I forget what year it was when you guys played Colorado in the wild card game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, again, Cattell Marte, one of my favorite players in Major League Baseball. I like to say that. He's one of my favorite guys around baseball because I adore the switch hitter. So, I will always adore the switch hitter. Pitching-wise, going into the series, I'll be honest, I was like, the pitching for the Diamondbacks doesn't look too scary. Okay. But then I saw Zach Gallon and Merrill Kelly, and I was like, okay, these guys are actually, like, mm-hmm. on their game. And then a little bit of 2014 revenge for me with uh, us getting after Madison Bumgarner. Wish they would have did that when we were in the wild card game against the Giants that year. But as you probably remember, Millard, man, Madison Bumgarner in 2014, he was just built different, as they like to say nowadays. Uh, But uh, again, a good series for Arizona. It was just a series where the Pirates just got outplayed. And the Pirates, since the All-Star break, you mentioned that the Diamondbacks have played well. The Pirates have not. Uh, they lost <laughs> two or three to Baltimore. They swept the Brewers, which was actually pretty nice to see. But other than that, they get swept by the Phillies in a four-game set. They get swept by the Pubs in two games. They lose uh, two out of three to the Marlins. It's just not been good so far since the All-Star break ended.
0: Well, I do want to ask you what are things you're looking forward to for the rest of the season, considering, you know, the Pirates are not, you know, they're not in anymore. and The D-backs are probably not in it anymore. So I want to ask you what's keeping you invested in this team as we end the season. But before we get there, Ethan, let me see what ad read I got. was the first one up? Before we get there, Ethan, I first want to tell you about your liver health, because did you know? The liver is the body's metabolic furnace. It's responsible for flushing out harmful toxins and igniting your fat-burning metabolism. But thanks to modern diets rich in unhealthy processed foods and constant exposure to thousands of man-made and environmental toxins, most of us have overworked our livers. But now it's easy to rejuvenate your liver health and reignite your metabolism thanks to Liver Health Formula by Pure Health Research. Liver Health Formula contains eight liver-boosting super nutrients like turmeric, beet, and artichoke extract, all of which work together to wake up a sluggish liver and turn it into a toxin-flushing and fat-burning machine. No more bloated belly. No more uncomfortable digestion, no more feeling tired and low on energy all the time. And best of all, Liver Health Formula makes it easier to maintain a healthy body weight long term. As a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula risk free today and get a free bottle of Curb Fit with your order. Curb Fit is a safe and all-natural appetite suppressant, making it easy to say no to naughty foods. This makes it the perfect complement to Liver Health Formula. So go to getliverhelp.com/mlb to learn more. Again, that it's that is getliverhelp.com/mlb to try Liver Health Formula completely risk-free and claim your free bottle of Curb Fit with your order. Go to getliverhelp.com/mlb now to get started. All right, Ethan, back to the crossover. I do want to ask you, like I said, like, what are your motivations? You know, being the Pirates host, you guys are a whole bunch of games under 500. We are, too, so I'm not going to be talking any crap. But what do you what's keeping you invested in watching this Pirates team as we, you know, wind down the last couple months of the season?
1: Uh, well, for outsiders, obviously two words, O'Neill Cruz. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely one of the guys I want to see his development over the next couple of months or well, month and a half. Ish at this point, I forget how many games are left or how much time we have left. It feels like a lot, but it's not
0: like like it feels like
1: we get like 50. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm hoping for, I hope the Pirates don't lose 100 games again. Uh, they're on track, to, but Oof. we'll see how that goes. But one of the guys really well that I actually did a whole podcast on yesterday, uh, Mitch Keller has mm. been phenomenal so far uh, this year. Not in terms of like, oh, he's a side young candidate, but it's more like the guy had a plus six and a plus seven ERA the last couple of years. And you're like, okay, at some point this has to stop. And he's finally done that. You saw him pitch against you guys on Wednesday night, five and one thirds little more of a struggle than he was used to lately. Um, He's pitched more than six innings at almost every single start since the uh, July 6th start against the Yankees. His ERA from that Yankees game to now has went from a 5-2-1 to a 4-2-5, all because he added a sinker. And I've been saying that for a year. I said, dude, your fastball is too straight. It has no movement whatsoever. Add a sinker. It'll help so much, and it has. I'm really excited to see – how he keeps doing uh his next start will actually eclipse his games played innings count strikeouts and like a whole nother bunch of stats that he had from last year so he went from last year getting sent back down to triple a to being a potential starter on opening day next year i think uh other than that September call-ups especially for the Diamondbacks as well I'm sure will be a fun time to see some new Mm -hmm. young faces for the Pirates I don't know if it'll be new faces it'll probably just be returns of like Jack Sawinski, Diego Castillo, Travis Swaggerty, those kind of guys but September call-ups especially for these teams that are out of the race are always a fun time to bring a guy up for a couple games who would have thought O'Neill Cruz and Rowanzi Contreras would have played three games at the end of the year last year
0: you never know. I'm super excited about the September call up because uh, one of the Arizona sports guys, one of the most plugged in people in the Valley, John Gambodoro said today that he thinks Corbin Carroll, the number two prospect in all of baseball, might get called up in September. So if that happens for the D-backs, we've all been pounding that drum. So that would be super exciting. But I do want to ask you, how much do you trust the developmental system that the Pirates have in place? Do you believe that they could turn the Cabrian Hayes and O'Neill Cruz into the next franchise cornerstones? Because, I mean, I'm just looking at like the raw number for Cabrian Hayes through the first three years of his major league career like his rookie year whatever small sample size that was he performed really well but the last two years brian hayes hasn't exactly lit up the world so how much do you trust the development that the pirates have in place for your young stars as far as the key brian hayes
1: thing the 2020 year of course we all want to forget uh that was his coming out party and he came out very strong (laughs) um so that kind of set expectations high if you remember last year, my depression phase started pretty quickly with the Pirates because in the second game of the season, he basically fractured his wrist for the better that. part of like of worse timing and worse language. But he comes back last year, and you could just noticeably tell that it was still kind of off. He was struggling with high-end fastballs. He kind of fixed that this year. The extension that he signed was not for the bat. The bat will be the cherry on top at the end of it if it ever does come around, which I think it will because Charles Hayes is his dad, and his dad's not going to put up with him batting 245 every year. The glove over there, man, is phenomenal. If uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's still leading all third baseman in baseball in defensive runs saved. The kid is awesome. O'Neill Cruz struggling a lot with off-speed stuff right now. That's going to get fixed over time. And I think that's one thing that gets lost in translation about the Pirates is – O'Neill Cruz and Key Brian Hayes are getting all the attention because they're the good players on this team. Neither has been here for that long. Mm -hmm. Key Brian Hayes mathematically has not even played a full season worth of baseball yet because of the missed time he had last year and the fact that he didn't debut early in 2020. O'Neal Cruz, it's his first time really being up here and facing Major League Pitching consistently. And you're going to see that a lot with the Pirates over the next year or so because you're going to have guys like Leo Verpiguerro Nick Gonzalez, shout-out Arizona product, New Mexico, uh, killed it over there in the Arizona area. Uh, By the way, I don't know if you guys saw as well that uh, Grand Canyon University actually hired a former Pittsburgh Pirates player as their assistant coach, another West Coast thing. Um, But you're going to see a lot of young pitchers start coming up. You're going to start seeing a lot of these younger guys next year even come up. So if you thought the youth movement only started this year, nope, it's going to keep on trucking. But there's going to be growing pains with that. I'm sure the Diamondbacks even have seen it with, like, the young guys that you've brought through since losing Paul Goldschmidt and all the formidable guys that you had over there in Arizona. It happens. It's growing pains. But development, service time manipulation, man, it's a crazy thing. But until the rule changes, they're going to use it. So we'll see what the Pirates continue to do with it.
0: Yeah, don't even get me started on the Paul Goldschmidt deal. But I do think that Cabron Hayes contract is very interesting because if you're Cabron Hayes, like you got the money locked in, it's guaranteed. But if if people think you're as good as what your ceiling can be and you actually hit your ceiling, then that contract is going to be one of the biggest bargains in baseball if you're the Pirates. So I think it's an interesting I don't know if it's like a win-win because like you're getting money up front if you're Cabron Hayes, but you're also like locked up to your like 32, 33. So at the same time, it's like all your best years are being used and it's not a lot of money. So I'm not too sure how I feel about that contract. Like I like if I think – if I'm a Pirates fan, I like it because even if he doesn't become an elite player, even if he's only like a solid offensive player been an elite defensive glove, $8 a year for that, that's like what Nick Ahmed is making. Like if he's just Nick Ahmed, like that's fine. But if he turns out to actually be an all-star level shortstop or whatever position he plays third base, then it's like, okay, now that now that's a different level of money that we're paying him for what his positional value is. Now it's like, okay, we got ourselves a steal under contract, and it's way easier to build your franchise now when you have a star player making a, a third of what they should be making. So I found that Cabrian Hayes contract really interesting. What were your thoughts when you first saw that he signed that deal?
1: Uh, well, shockingly, it was the largest contract in Pittsburgh Pirates history. Oh, really? A okay, dollar sign. Uh, the last one was Jason Kendall, and before that was Andy Van Slyke. That's yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, but I also liked it because it compared a lot to a certain contract that works out for a team that just won the World Series. Ozzie Albies okay. compares okay. a lot to that contract. contract. Um, and I think it in a lot like Ozzie Albies, you can argue that Ozzy is not a he's not a finished product like Keybrine Hayes. It's not a finished product. He still has plenty of time to get that back going. The defense is going to consistently be there. And I'm going to argue and say 8.8 million a year for a gold glove, third baseman, even if it's just the defense element is worth it. I mean, if you have a gold glove, third baseman under contract for under 10 million a year until he's 32, I think every team in Major League Baseball takes that Miller if I'm not mistaken. I mean, realistically, cuz what happens if like you said, what happens if like say 2024 comes around and he accidentally accidentally hits like 301 with like 20 home runs, 89 RBIs and had a gold glove season.
0: I mean, yeah, you, 8 you 80 8, 8 a year, that's crazy yeah you only need one year to prove yourself for a team to give you the bag so if he was going to his contract year and then had that kind of season like yeah he's going to get the bag right after that's why a guy like Jason Hayward um got the bag after he had that big season with the Cardinals and now the Cubs are like oh uh, actually we'll just pay you to stay home Jason Hayward these last couple of years because yeah we'll uh, pay you to you stay can, in the dugout <laughs> yeah we'll just pay you. you could maybe be a coach for us we'll pay you through, you know via that way just for leadership um possibilities but Maybe we should talk a little bit about the, you know, other teams around Major League Baseball, who you think could make it to the World Series, your favorite players right now, MVP take. So maybe we'll do that in segment number three. But before we get there, if we're going to be talking about championship rings, the best place to get a ring for yourself, Ethan, is Blue Nile. Dot com because whether you're ready to pop the question or you're celebrating a milestone moment, find jewelry as unique as her with the modern convenience of online shopping at Blue Nile.com. Blue Nile has simple online tools that let you choose the diamond shape, size, and clarity as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will then handcraft her perfect engagement ring. Each ring is one of a kind, just like her. Looking for fine jewelry by having trouble choosing? Blue Nile had jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Make your moment sparkle with jewelry from BlueNile.com, and going on now is the Blue Nile anniversary sale. Save up to 40% on classic fine jewelry pieces and 25% on engagement ring settings. Plus, every order is insured, ships free, and arrives in discreet packaging that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to bluenow.com today. And BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines. Odds lines and games, find reviews and news of every league including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for our sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Ethan segment number three I'll let you take in any direction you want to go to do you want to talk about your the teams you like the most for maybe a world series matchup sleeper teams that you think t- people should keep their eye on your you got MVP Candace Cy Young candidate. you got a hot take you want to get off your chest I'll let you take this part any way you want
1: uh well one I think it's absolutely awesome in the American League that the four wildcard teams are Toronto Seattle Tampa Bay and Baltimore. Don't know how many people would have told you that would have been what the uh, AL wild card was going to be before the season started, considering uh, the White Sox and Red Sox are just on the outside looking. So you have one, two, three, four, five, about seven teams that have a realistic shot of making the American League wild card. That's very fun. The NL is a little different. Uh, Atlanta, Philly, San Diego, Milwaukee, and the Giants are all kind of mm-hmm. those teams right now that are in that spot. Uh, I definitely think the top three will stay that way. I think it's going to be Philly, Atlanta, and San Diego or uh, possibly the Mets if the Braves catch the Mets, but I don't think that's going to happen. As far as playoffs and World playoffs, uh, as, long, as far as that goes, um, it's very hard right now to bet against two teams that I've seen, and it's probably an unpopular opinion. But uh, Houston, Houston and the Dodgers or the Mets right now, Mm-hmm. are kind of like, to me, the three teams. Now, you're probably wondering, why not the Yankees? Well, yeah. they've lost seven out of their last eight games. Mm. I think you're finally starting to realize that they're not going to win 125 games like everybody thought they were going to or like break all these records because I think teams are starting to figure it out. They're starting to figure out how to attack them a little bit. Now, I'm not saying... Mm. <laughs> now, Stacy got so is overlocked on Yankees. I'm not saying... The Yankees can't make the world series. They have a very solid roster. They have a lot of former pirates as well. So it gives me some semblance of reason. Houston. They're the kind of team that I can't bet against them until they're out of it. I, I don't want to, but if you had to tell me what I want to see, give me a Seattle and Baltimore ALCS. Okay. Would that not be, would that not be the greatest thing ever Miller just to see those two teams, the ALCS. And then it, In the NL, why not? Give us, like, San Diego and Philly. Like, just something brand new. It's been a while since we got, like, two NL and ALCS matchups that were, like, fresh and new. Like, you had the Nationals, you had the Rays and all that stuff, but I want to see, like, two brand-new teams go at it in the NL and ALCS, like, right chopping at the bit. It would be fun. I just really think it But my World Series prediction at this current moment would probably be Houston and the Mets. I think the Mets have the pitching to hmm. beat the Dodgers. Um, and then I would say the Mets do have a chance to win the World Series. That is assuming, like I said at this current moment, that Jacob deGrom is completely healthy going into the postseason. That is their wild card. If he is healthy, imagine having to to face that rotation of deGrom, Scherzer, Walker, um, Bassett, whoever they throw out there for seven games.
0: Yeah, be I mean- the Mets rotation is pretty nasty. You still got Peterson too in that lineup. I mean, McGill was like the star of the first couple months of the season, and he's been kind of hurt. Um, he hasn't even pitched. I mean, the Dodgers rotation is pretty nasty too. I mean, I know Kershaw and Bueller are hurt right now, but Tyler Anderson has turned into like him and Gonsilan have like turned into Cy Young candidates this year with Julio Urias as well. Like, they're still gonna have three to four to five, you know, number one starting pitchers going to the um postseason as well. So the Mets Dodgers one, I think, is going to be a really fascinating matchup if they end up meeting each other in the postseason season I kind of like the NL bracket I think a little bit more um I don't think I don't think I subscribe to your ALCS matchup though of Seattle versus Baltimore I wouldn't mind yeah, I seeing know. Seattle there but Baltimore a year coming off the number one pick like I don't know if I want to see that team already in the ALCS like I think it would probably be a cool story but I don't think they actually have the talent that would make it an interesting enough, like me, a actually, fun series, like, yeah. Yeah, I don't think I kind of just, like who's on Baltimore that that's like interesting that I would even know. Like they already traded Trey Mancini, they traded away their closer. Like I know they got um. One of the top rookies right now in baseball and Adley Rushman, but like there's not a ton they got Cedric Mullins out there, but there's not like a ton of star power um, that would be in that series. The Seattle side would be fun with Julio Rodriguez, Ty Francis, Castillo. I mean, as a D backs fan, we'll see a little Robbie Ray in there as well. But mm-hmm. from the Baltimore side, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I would like that too much, but I wouldn't mind the Phillies versus Padres NLCS. I think that would be a ton of fun. Of course, you got the Bryce Harpers of the world and the Tatis of the world. So just from a star power matchup, Soto, I mean, it would be uh, an insane, collection of talent that's why i like the your nlcs you know newcomer prediction a lot more than the alcs because at least we're getting talent in that nlcs bracket and overall do you feel like you, which side of the bracket do you like more do you think which side of the playoffs if you're you know a random team dropped into each conference which conference would you rather be dropped in heading into the postseason do you think the american league is tougher or the national league no, the do, 100%. 100%. oh the american league 100 percent oh 100 percent
1: because, I mean, in the NL, you're looking up and down the teams that you would have to play. Like, let's just mm-hmm. say randomly you adopt the NFL format and you're the number seven seed and you have to play the two seed. That means you're either playing the Mets or the Dodgers right off rip. Mm-hmm. I, in the NL, or in the AL, you're going to play the Houston Astros or the Yanks. I'm sorry, but right now, if you're telling me to pick between those two teams, like if you put those two teams together, the Yankees and the Mets versus the Astros and the Yankees, like merge those two teams together. So on one side, you got Aaron Judge, Jordan Alvarez, Jose Altuve, Bregman, Stanton. That's a crazy lineup. But then you're facing a rotation of Julio Arias, Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, Tony Gonsolin, and Tyler Anderson for a seven-game series. That would be nuts. So I would rather do the AL just because also I think the wildcard teams in the American League are a little less formidable than the mm-hmm. NL teams. Like the NL wildcard teams are all wildcard teams because their division leaders are just so far ahead that they can't catch them.
0: Like, it's not fair.
1: The Padres, for instance, are so far. Like, everybody's like, oh, the Braves are a wildcard team. They're not, they're having a down year after that, but they have 66 wins, and that's only because the Mets have 73 wins right now. Same thing with the Padres are 63 and 51. That's a good record, but the Dodgers are 77 and 33. So I definitely would say the AL. I also am on the side kind of a Toronto Blue Jays fan. So I would like to Ooh. see Toronto finally make that push for Canada again, because uh, I do like the Rogers center playoff atmosphere. I think uh, all of us remember Jose Batista a few years oh. ago in the playoffs, probably one of the best moments I've ever seen with the uh, home run he had and the bat flip. I don't know, man. It's all up in the air. And I think that's the one thing I love about baseball is yeah, it might end up being the same big group of four teams in the NLCS and ALCS. But between those four, like Atlanta, New uh, Atlanta, the Yankees, the Astros, and the Dodgers, I can't exactly tell you who would win between those four teams right now.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it's not tough. like. Yeah, it's not like going to the postseason last year. Anyone would have picked the Braves to win the World Series. Like they were pretty, they were like the worst team to enter the postseason last year, and they ended up winning it all. And they had to beat the Dodgers en route to winning the World Series, and they beat the Houston Astros. So when you're just talking about like the top teams going into this year's postseason, the Braves last year as the worst team entering the postseason knocked out two of those four teams. So once you get to the baseball postseason, like it's not like basketball. Uh, the best team doesn't always win in baseball, even though it's a seven game series, it's more like the NFL where it feels like either team could really win because every game feels so singular because you got a different starting pitcher on the mound you might yep. change the way you do your bullpen. You might switch up your lineup. Like it's not going to be the same team that basically you're facing every day. So I think the baseball postseason is very interesting that way. But real quick, before we get out of here are any of those wildcard teams that you're looking at right now that are on the outside looking in, Uh, which one of those teams do you think has been the most disappointing this year from the giants, the red Sox to the white Sox, which of those wildcard teams on the outside? It
1: has to be the white Sox dude. I mean, everybody picked them to win the central, the central for lack of a better word is terrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's awful. Like it looks like nobody wants to win that division. And it really looks like Tony LaRussa is what's holding them back, which also when the trade deadline was happening, I was expecting to hear a lot from the locks on white Sox guys, because I thought they were going to make a lot of moves, push forward, try to say, okay, we are the best team in the division on paper. Let's take our division back. And all they did was trade for Jake Deakman. Uh, I was like, what are you guys doing? Uh, so in the AL, I think it's definitely the white Sox in the NL. It's hard to say the Giants, but I think it has to be the Giants because they come off of a season where they went 107 games and now they're under 500 and pretty much out of it. You could kind of throw Miami in there. Miami did have a little bit. I don't remember if you remember this in the preseason, but there was a little bit of chatter that Mm -hmm. that starting rotation was going to push them into a playoff spot. But I would say San Francisco and the White Sox are definitely the two most disappointing teams on the outside looking in right now and then i don't want to give the cop-out answer but if you're a team that has shohei otani and mike trout on your team and the pirates have about the same record as you you're doing something wrong
0: yeah i mean the angels this perpetually i think that's the word live in just disappointment they just constantly maybe i should just say constantly they just constantly live in a state of disappointment because they can't do anything right i would probably see i know a lot of people say the white Sox are like arguably the biggest disappointment this year, but I feel like they've had so many injuries with Eloy and Tim Anderson. And who's there? Mm-hmm. They had another outfielder who's always hurt, And then Lance Lynn has sucked this year. Uh, Andrew Vaughn, year? I think. Uh, Yeah, maybe Andrew Vaughn, like they've had uh, or Luis Robert. He's only played 80 games this year. He's been pretty hurt for most of the season. I feel like they've had a lot of injuries. That's why, to me, it's the other Sox team. The Boston Red Sox have been the most disappointed this year because they were two games away from the World Series last year, and it felt like they just addressed none of their issues entering the offseason. And they were actually like, let's actually, you know, create a fire within our locker room and keep talking about how we're not going to pay any of our players. And then we are going to pay Trevor Story, you know, a nice seventy or hundred something million dollar contract, but we're gonna play hardball with Bogart's Endeavors, two homegrown superstars that we already have in our organization. Feels like the Red Sox want to do a fire sale this past trade deadline. I just feel like they're the most disappointing because I just don't know what they're doing. It feels like they're not trying to win games when they've had a championship core the last couple of years. And that instead of trying to add to it, they've been tearing it down. That's why I feel like the Red Sox to me at least are the most disappointing. I also think the Giants are super disappointing, but I felt like there was going to be a regression with them, not just because everything broke right for them last year, but Also, Buster Posey retired. Kevin Gosman left. Of course, you replaced him with Carlos Rondon, but you also let Chris Bryan go. I mean, he hasn't been great this year, dealt with a lot of injuries, but I just felt like they lost so much from their lineup. Plus, they had so many dudes have career seasons last year with the Brandon Crawfords and the Brandon Belts. Mm -hmm. Like They had to take a step back, and I'm kind of glad they did because, of course, as an NL West guy, I'm not pro-Giants, so I'm glad to see them struggling this year. Ethan, any last words before we get out of here today, sir?
1: let's hope 2023 for both the diamondbacks and the pirates is a much better year than right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm expecting slightly better, but I'm still expecting maybe two to three years down the line for the D backs, because I think they're just relying on internal development and all these players coming up through the farm system to carry them because they have no idea what they're doing when it comes to free agency or trade. So it really needs to be their prospects that um, (laughs) help out and turn out, uh, turn around this team. Ethan, where can the lockdown diamondbacks listeners find you on social media?
1: at MVP underscore Ethan on Twitter or at locked on pirates. I'm always saying something on Twitter that's making somebody mad or somebody starts applauding it. So make sure you check that out. Uh, also, again, you could find my podcast wherever you find Miller's Spotify, Odyssey, Google play pretty much wherever you find your podcast and on YouTube where you can see this wonderful mug every Monday through Friday, talk about the pirates. And no, I do not say yin's as much as you think I would, but, uh, hey, it's about that time for the Diamondbacks and the Pirates to be playing each other in the NLCS in 2025.
0: I hope so. I hope so, buddy. I hope that <laughs> happens. Well, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Thank you to everyone who tuned into today's podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. It's Friday, so go catch up on any pods you might have missed this past week. We got some great pods this past week with Silly Baseball, of course. So go check out his pod as well. Locked on MLB, Paul Francis Sullivan. We know he's a walking baseball encyclopedia, Super knowledgeable about the sport. So go check out his podcast. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Deuces.